2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. They come into my office and they're like, we have decided to not rehire you for next year. And you can either resign or, you know, we'll have to go through all the steps to fire you. And I was just pacing and pacing and pacing and just praying and talking to God. And I was like, I wanted to hear, I just want to hear, you know? And what came, like, what I heard in my heart was this. It was like, Richard, you know I love you like a father, but I also love you like a friend. Yo, it's your boy, Tyler Morrison. And on today's episode of the Death to Life podcast, we're actually interviewing none other than your boy, Richard Young, aka Big Rich Ain't Digging No Ditch. (laughs) And I'm so grateful, honestly, I'm very grateful that I have uh, the opportunity today to talk to my buddy Rich. And we're going to get into what his life has looked like the last couple years as we've been growing in freedom. And I'll be honest with you guys, uh, Richard went through some stuff. I remember I got free and I went through some stuff right away and Richard got free and it might have been delayed, but he went through some stuff. (laughs) And the way that God's faithfulness has shown on Rich's life and then through his life and through his marriage, through his family and through his jobs is just a blessing. You guys, you guys are in for a treat. So I'm just going to tell you right now, buckle up, strap in. Appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Man, this is real talk. God is loving on me. Colorful and innocent. So leave it out, bro. You're, you're, do your thing. All right, Rich. So. What's up, dude? Remember back in the day when uh, I came to Union College for basketball tournament my senior year, and I came over to your house for Michael Adams' birthday party? I remember that night, yeah. I remember I wanted to hang out with Michael Adams because I thought he was so cool. He was being nice to me, and I was a little high schooler. And I was like, why has your party got to be at Rich's house? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't tell him that, but in my mind, I was like, man, this dude Rich, he's so cocky. 
And then a few months later, you were like, hey, you want to be in this music group with me? And and I ended up joining this music group and you and I became fast friends. And I'm retelling you this story because somebody asked me recently when you and I became friends and, and all of that. And over the years, our friendship has taken some turns. And I got to say, the turn that I'm most grateful for is when God set me free from needing affirmation and uh, God set you free from the lies. If y'all haven't heard it, go listen. And then growing in that together, yeah. that that turn where it's like not this power struggle of me trying to be like, oh, Richard's cocky and I got to prove to him that I don't need his advice. <laughs> and so all of that context, just to say like growing in freedom together has been a privilege, but I think the biggest turn was when Natalie got free too. Like, I don't know about you, but we had been praying together. I mean, how long have we been praying together for our wives? <laughs> Man, we really started praying hard, uh, almost like almost every day of the of the school week in August. In August of 2019, we really started going at it, just to, uh, just going for it. Like we're gonna pray. Um, we're just like you know, every once in a while, um, we're just like prayer, bro. <laughs> we're like we like should do morning. it. We should try it. <laughs> This morning, I'm like, Richard, did you know the Bible says to worry about nothing and pray about everything? Yeah. So we were going hard and we were praying at that point, but I feel like what were you were even preaching at that? You had just started kind of starting to share it, like as the principal at an academy. Yeah, man. I had, um, if you listen to the last podcast, like through, through the winter, spring, summer, I'm just learning, learning, learning. And I preach this sermon right before the school year starts. And then the school year starts and I'm going ham. Like I remember the first chapel and I'm speaking for the first chapel. And my main point to, to these high schoolers is like, you've got to understand who you are. Like mm. if you don't understand who you are, like we're in for some trouble. So you need to understand who you are. And I was just going hard on identity. Uh, and like it was it was what everything was about for me you and i were were praying super hard and in the middle of this whole thing uh in these in these couple months leading up to this weekend in september that we've talked about so often uh my tia hopi uh she passes and it was a heartbreaking thing for our whole family and i was supposed to i'm telling this part of the story cuz it's going to come up later I'm supposed to take this group of seniors or the group of leaders at the school I was the principal at to this retreat where a bunch of other schools were going to be. And I just did not want to go. I did not want to go because I knew I had to go to this funeral in California. And, um, this, uh, one of the people I trust very, very, very much, uh, was the, the secretary and registrar at the school. And she told me, she's like, Richard, this is, you You love doing this stuff. You're so good at this stuff. You should, you're the sponsor. Um, you should take these kids out there. And my mom said it. And Natalie was like, yeah, you should do it. And I was like, okay. And uh, I didn't want to go. And we go out there and it is an amazing trip. It's like one of those trips in high school that, um, that people talk about. And they get like, oh man, that was a spiritual high. We go out mm-hmm. to this campground. And this is uh, in South Dakota. It was a long trip to get out there. 
but like immediately the vibe was super just like the Holy Spirit was present. Um, and the, the preacher who, who came to preach is, is still a friend of mine and he was preaching Ephesians and he, it was a blessing. And then one evening we're in the, um, we're in the cabin and I'm with the boys and questions about sexuality come up just like, you know, there's a bunch of senior boys and we're, there's questions and they're asking me these questions. And so I'm used to this background of being a Dean in a boy's dorm and how I rolled it in the boy's dorm is uh, by the end of my third year, actually by the beginning of my third year, I had ran out of ideas to, for worship every night. And so we would just do question night. And if you're doing question night in the boy's dorm, you know what the questions are about. And whenever I'd get there and I'd say, all right, question night, everyone would cheer like, yeah, cheer. And they'd like, they like pick people to ask a question because these guys are thinking and talking about this stuff all the time. And so I would put it in a, in perspective. And so that's kind of the vibe that was going on on this, this camp trip or this leadership mm. uh, retreat. And so we get into it in the same way that I got into it um, in the boys dorm and it's very frank and it's very real. And we talk about all of the stuff like, yo, are we dealing with pornography? Are we dealing with masturbation? Uh, we talk about sex before marriage, like, um, why sex can only be in a covenant relationship or else Mm. like our bodies aren't even built for sex outside of a covenant relationship. So we're talking about all of these things. And I thought the guys got some clarity anyway. Um, you felt like it was a good conversation. Oh yeah. It was a great conversation. We, um, we get back from the trip. We drove like we had to get up like three in the morning. The the day we were supposed to leave, we drove all through the day and it was, it was like this amazing trip. And then I had to fly out for this funeral. And I remember driving back from this trip and I was just listening to Hillsong's album over and over. And I'm just thinking about my Thea Hopi and her passing and, and like just this kind of heaviness, but then also just kind of just hope like, man, like, this new understanding of the gospel has got me on like, yeah, she, she like just assurance. Like she's never going to die. Like she mm. is never going to die. She's resting now. And so then I get back from that and almost if, if it's not the next weekend, it's the next weekend where we're all up in Lincoln and this thing happens. Uh, uh yeah. Um, with Morgan and then two days later, my wife. And so, that's like the scene, like that. that's the context of where I'm at at the beginning of October 2019. Man, so you just told that story about the, the dudes on this trip, and it's it's been something that's, I think, probably been in the back of my mind, because lately I've been at the academy more, mm-hmm. um, and I'm there as like a part-time history teacher. <laughs> like you were at the academy as a principal... Same, same thing. Yeah. Um, but knowing that high schoolers are going through stuff, like I'm, I feel like both you and I, if we take the time to think about it, we're not so far removed that we're ignorant to the types of things that high school students are going through, are experiencing, are talking about, and are doing. And it's like, I don't know, I guess as a principal at an academy and as a dean at an academy, 
you were growing in freedom, but also I feel like you were growing in discernment of when you can talk about certain things with certain students. Um, I guess, how, how, how was that kind of growing for you? Oh, you know I, what I mean? Like as a principal, how much were you able to speak into people's lives? I had backed off a little bit from my deaning days. Because in my deaning days, like you can see in the dorm, I mean, I never went to a boarding academy. I went to a day school. But in boarding academy, there's no such thing as being uncomfortable. Everyone's super open. Everyone's comfortable. And so like the curiosity, like would... With, I could see that in their eyes and they're all dealing with stuff. And I mean, I had gotten, I was in the, the discipline guy. So I had known about like some of the sexting that was going on. I had known about some of the, you know, the main issues that were happening, but then I would just speak to them like, nah, man, like, let me explain this to you. And they always appreciated it. It felt like. Mm. And so when I get here, I'm like, well, I got to be a little bit more careful Um, and now there's, you know, I didn't talk to the girls about any of this stuff because like that, that's not, you know, you gotta be uh, responsible. And so, but then when we're with the guys, it felt like they have the same questions as boys in the dorm, you know, (laughs) they're right, but it may be more so, you know, they're at home, you know, they've got a little bit more freedom. Uh, they can keep their cell phones at night, unlike in the dorm, you know? And so, uh, yeah. yeah, it was kind of like a chance for me to, to put my Dean hat back on and, and, uh, just talk about real stuff. And so, yeah, it was, I was learning, um, this is my second year at the school. Um, they kind of knew second year as a principal yeah, and they kind of knew who I was and what I stood for. Uh, they sure. knew like I had kind of changed the discipline at the school. And so they knew like, Oh, if, if Mr. Young says something, he's, you know, he's about it. He's not just. And so that's kind of how I was operating. And, um, right. And the kids, they, yeah. they liked it. Um, I think they got a little weary of me talking about identity. And when I say, I think I know <laughs> <laughs> they're like, Oh, and, uh, this guy, he just keeps talking about identity. He just keeps talking about identity. Um, and so any chance I got, you know, I was the, I was the girls basketball coach and the first basketball practice of the season. I was like, do you guys know what this means about you? Like how we play, how we practice. Do we know what this, what this says about you, how you perform? And they were like, um, and they're trying to get, you know, the right answer. Never, by the way, never answer a question that like a pastor or a youth director is putting on you because they have the answer already. And if, even if you're right, they're, they're going to be like, nah, that's not it. Um, I was like, it means nothing. This says nothing about you. And I distinctly remember uh, we used to, at the beginning of the school day, um, we tried this thing where like everyone would walk outside and walk around the parking lot like three times just to kind of get your jitters out, like to start the school day. You don't want to just walk Mm -hmm. in and sit down. So we're like, we got a bunch of high school students. Let's, Let's have them walk around for a few minutes. And I distinctly remember talking to the chaplain, just being like, hey, and I just went off and I, on identity, like this is da, 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 da. And she was looking at me like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I was like, man, this stuff is not landing. But I, you know, I just wanted her to see it. 
I just wanted her. So like, this is like, I'm on fire. Um, yeah. I'm on fire. And I think this is when I get back from Lincoln. I'm just like, oh, identity, identity, identity. Like, that's all I was about, bro. I feel like it, it's suiting that we, we're talking about this because you tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like over the last three, four years mm-hmm. that we've been growing in this, the two areas in which you've been challenged the most and that you've grown the most have been one, uh, how you relate to others. Hmm. Like how you relate the gospel, like you got free and you're growing in freedom. But one of the things that God's been like teaching you and revealing to you has been how you can share this with others and steward it mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is how then does it change um, or how does it impact your vocation? Hmm. Like those seem to be the two areas of your life that you've done so much growth in. And so we've spent a lot of time just talking about the way you're relating it early on, like I loved, in fact, I want t-shirts. If you can do some of these t-shirts. I loved in Caitlin's episode when she called us the Sabbath school sharks. <laughs> I started laughing in my car because you came, I think, you, I don't remember why you were back in Lincoln so shortly after that. Oh, that's coming up. Yeah, that's coming up. Right? It was a couple of weeks after that. Oh, this is December. So you yeah. go home, you go home from, uh, from the weekend the the famous weekend mm-hmm. first weekend of October Morgan gets free then Natalie gets free and and I just remember us on Marco Polo like every day we're sending videos to each other about like yo can you first it was like can can you believe that this is happening like my wife loves me so much mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um it was just popping off oh dude it was like so many people seemed like they were receiving it man it was and we were turnt, bro. So like, it was like two or three weeks later, I'm back in Lincoln. It might've been for the volleyball tournament or something. And, um, there was this young lady that, um, I'd become friends with because she was working at uh, a summer camp that I was a camp pastor at that summer. Oh yeah. Okay, good. Let's dive into this kind yeah. of stuff. Let's dive into where it starts going haywire. Yeah. And so, uh, she had always said like, Hey, when you're in Lincoln, like, let's get let's get coffee. Let's hang out. And, uh, I was like, yeah, because when I, that summer at the summer camp, I was talking a lot about identity, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I was the, I was camp pastor for cub camp. So, uh, I couldn't really preach about identity. All my sermons were like about like furry animals and God's love, uh, just stories about animals. <laughs> but like I would be ministering to the camp staff and mm. she was really starting to grasp this identity thing. And we became tight and she was just like, yo, like, like I said, hit me up. Let's grab coffee if you're in town. So I'm in town and I message her and I'm just like, yo, let's kick it. And I said, Morgan, you, you got to come with because I, um, I don't, I don't need to be out with one, you know, a, a lady besides my, you know, besides my wife, I just wanted to keep it safe. And so I'm like, Morgan, you should be here. And so Morgan rolls up and Morgan and uh, this young lady and myself, we go and we we hang out at this Chinese restaurant and Morgan tells her story. And this girl is listening to the story and she is just, she is like, this is unbelievable what's going on. And so then you eventually show up at the Chinese restaurant and you're just like, yeah, yeah it's all true. 
Like I used to be this way. And she is, she, she's like, she gets emotional hearing this story. And, um, I think I, man, go ahead. This, I feel like it's, it's important even in this, cause I, as I'm remembering back, there was a big part of my mindset back then. And I think it was you too, of there, there had emerged in the testimonies of Morgan and Natalie, mm-hmm. almost what seemed to be like a formula. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Of walking somebody to freedom. Yes. yes. And so we see that this girl is seemingly resonating with the story, right? Like it's moving her. Yeah. Like all of the telltale signs are there that were invited. 100%. Yeah. And, and we had this rule that emerged early of like, we don't go where we're not invited, right? right? So we don't talk about this. Like we can share with people, but we don't go in unless we're invited. And in this conversation, you know, she's emotionally. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like the formula. Yeah. And it's not like it was that conscious in our, in our minds. At least it wasn't for me. Was it for you? Well, we've just seen like when we tell this story, this story has an effect on people. Like, like more is convicted. Morgan starts the story and she tells like this whole thing. And then it just jumps into my story because of Morgan's freedom. Then there's Natalie's freedom. And so like, it, it's just, it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. And so we're telling people about these miracles that took place three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? And we're being, I think the thing that's crazy is how super honest we're being mm. in these conversations. So we're saying, yeah, I used to be in this and I used to be in that. And uh, Tyler, you're like, yeah, I, I did this thing. And um, and I'm saying it right next to my wife, who's like, "Yeah, and I wanted yeah, to divorce." Yeah, him. and this this is probably the weekend where you and Morgan were um, like, you explained to actually what happened with Morgan. Oh, yeah, that's this is right. that weekend. So, and Morgan still, she's still going for it. She's still on fire, and so um, all of this stuff is is happening. I end up taking this girl uh, back to her car and she's just like crying and she, she's like, I want this. And I was like, well, you have it. And, um, then a couple days later, Morgan and I are with another friend. And this is like a really, really great friend that we have all, we all love, love, love. And we go to her house on a Sunday morning and it's so weird. I I can't imagine how weird it is for someone to be like, Hey, can I come by your house and just tell you a story? And the person, is that how it went? Yeah. I think, I think you guys saw her Saturday night at a, at an event at at the gym or something. And, um, Morgan's like, Hey, can we come by your house? And, uh, you couldn't make it. So Morgan and I go to this beautiful lady's house and we're there for like three hours. And at the end of this thing, everyone's crying. Uh, and it's just like, wow, this is so incredible. Like, and like, there's lies that this woman is seeing in her life. And like, we walk her through confession. Yeah. And that walking people through confession, I think, and the reason I think this is, it's so, it just keeps coming back to my mind where it was this formula of if somebody's rocking and then they say, okay, I want this, or they say something like, I don't get it. And we would be like, do you want to? Yeah. Right? Like that was the thing that emerged in Morgan's story. She's like, I don't get it. And then Eddie was like, 
do you want to? And she said, yes. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, the spirit will reveal whatever you need to know so that you can get mm-hmm. it. And then we pray, we listen, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit would tell people lies that they were believing that would keep them from believing the truth. And then they would have this emotional response because this thing had come up from within. And it's like, and then it's like, okay, let's confess in agreement, put it to death. I put to death those lies and I thank you for the truth. And it was like every time, almost like that exact, at least like for, I know Morgan and I, we were sharing this three times a day with people. And if there was a spot where that could happen and almost every time after we would pray, they would have this exhale of just relief Mm -hmm. and release and they would say, I mean, in Morgan and I's testimony, we even said this, almost everybody was saying, I feel lighter, right. like unprompted. They would use that word. Yeah. And so, yeah, I know you guys kind of went through it and it seemed like oh, yeah. the same thing was happening in both of these it's circumstances. 100%. It, it, it was wild just to see them reacting to the story and just kind of believing this stuff. And then I think the key is like when it moves from this is a story about us then it becomes, but this is also your story. Like, because mm. like people are hearing this stuff and we're being so raw and honest that, and it resonates with people because people are experiencing all this horrible stuff in their own lives. Um, but there's no, you, you don't talk about it. You don't tell people what's going on. If, if it's, if it's a rocky marriage, you're not out telling people, yeah, our marriage is kind of rocky. Or Mm -hmm. if there's an addiction problem, you're not telling people, but we're here saying our marriages were crap and you know, like (laughs) such and such and such. And and so, and they're like, who? And so, uh, yeah, that happened. Um, I think even one of the nights Millsap comes over and, uh, who else was there with Millsap? Was it Caitlin? No, it was not. It was uh, Maddie's best friend. Erica. Yeah. And she started seeing, because she was like, I don't get it. Because she was at the thing in September, and she was like, you guys are you guys are wild. I don't understand this thing. But by the end of yeah. that night, she's like, okay, I'm understanding this more. I'm understanding this more. And Millsap is even like, okay, I'm completely on board. Like, he's <laughs> like, I love that dude. He's completely on board. And so um, then I go home to Kansas City. And I've been invited to preach at this church. And it's not in the conference that I was uh, the principal of the school. Mm-hmm. And I go and I preach and uh, it's a black church. And if you don't know, culture of uh, of a black church is it starts later and it ends later. And there's no set time that it ends. Uh, for you white people are like, church gets out at 1215. Uh, in a black church, church gets out when it gets out. And so in my mind, I was like, oh man, I can just go in. Like, they're like, <laughs> because the last sermon I preached, I had preached at uh, a school or church in my conference, and it was like a really super conservative church. And so I kind of just told my testimony, but not, I didn't go in in freedom from sin. Uh, the one thing that I d- did say that was uh, gospel is I, I said that it's the kindness of God that draws repentance, never never the condemnation of God. Mm. And that's the only thing that people came up to me to talk about. Like someone from the congregation came up and she said, that's beautiful that it's the kindness of God that draws repentance. Where, where'd you find that? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the beginning of Romans. She's like, yeah. Bro, <laughs> I, I was reading Steps to Christ. I asked my dad this this morning, my yeah. dad and Ben Williams. I was like, did you guys, have you ever read this book? And I held up steps to Christ. (laughs) 
Like she's <laughs> on like, it. Are you? Are you serious? And I was like, I'm reading. I feel like I'm reading it for the first time. But she says it over and over. That it's the virtue from Christ that leads men to repentance. It is not our repentance. I'm just like, dang, I never saw it. Yeah, she. Uh, if you if you're unfamiliar with uh, Ellen White, she's she's she was on it. Um, and so then I'm preaching at this black church, and the school was going to be there. Like my kids, they were going to do the music. Oh, okay, and so guess what song I had them come up and play at the end? Like who you say I am? No. It's a little ditty called Death Was Arrested. Death Was Arrested. <laughs> Straight up. And Ooh, that was the jam. Like Friday night, we went to the church to practice it. And I'm just like vibing out. And I'm sure the kids were just like, why does this dude love this song so much? And I'm like, yo, this, this, the anthem. Okay. This is, mm-hmm. this is, this is us. And so I think that sermon is probably still on YouTube. If you want to hear it, it's real raw, real early Richard Young uh, getting up in, in, and doing gospel. And I remember in the sermon, dude, in the sermon, I didn't plan anything. In the sermon, uh, God's just like, tell Eddie and Jayla's story. So I just go in on Eddie and Jayla's story. <laughs> and um, later on, uh, one of my best friends who I invited to, uh, who I invited to, to come hear the sermon, she was like, yo, that was, that was different. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's the gospel. Um, and, uh, then I hear, I think right after this sermon, this is like getting to early November or something like that. I get wind that people in the conference are nervous about one Jonathan Leonardo and my buddies are getting back to me. They're like, you, do you know Jonathan? And Jonathan and I have been really like dope, dope, close friends for about 40 days now. <laughs> uh, and they're, they're just like, you know, Jonathan, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my dude. I'm like, man, people, people are talking, dude. Like you, you, I'm like, who's talking and specifically like about what he's teaching and love reality. And yeah. Stuff like they're just like, they're uncomfortable with it. If they know that you're down with this, like, you should watch out. And I'm just like, I mean, what is that? I didn't even know it. Like, okay. Yeah. I like, watch out. Like, like, what is that even? Okay. Um, and uh, then a, a, a high ranking conference official uh, comes to my office. He wants to meet me at my office. And uh, that's the kind of thing that gets you kind of like, huh? Right. What? So like an unplanned visit from the the superiors. Yeah, and he comes to my office and he sits down there and he just kind of lays out uh, concern, you know, and he's just telling me about his concern and I'm trying to say, I'm just like, you know, I I, I don't really get too much of a chance to say much. He it's it's more like he wants to tell me some stuff, and. I think the only the stuff that he's telling you is just about the association. Yeah, like you, have you, with love you reality should be or careful. About what you've been saying. Um, I think um, they had heard that I had talked to a staff member. Um, at the school, and so they were a little concerned that I had talked about to a staff member about what I was believing, and then they were really concerned that I was affiliating with Jonathan. Okay. And so 
but they didn't spell it all out or anything. I think for anybody, if if we leave details out in the story, I think anybody that's been just preaching the gospel of how God has changed their lives, you know how the story goes. Like for anybody that wants to try to fill in the blanks in their minds, you just feel like when you preach the gospel, Jesus told us this would happen. Yeah. Like you preach the gospel, you follow me, and people will hate you that hated me, and people will love you that loved me. Yeah. Like that's that's how it goes. And so as we're kind of telling the story, like that's kind of what's happening is there's just an element of like we're learning about what is it is there ways that we're saying things that we're in trouble for is what we're saying wrong. Mm-hmm. And as you're kind of having this conversation, I guess was there any part of you that you're like, okay, am I off? Am I wrong? Am I doing something wrong? No, no. I was just like, uh like this is you guys don't understand. Like, you don't understand what Jonathan's saying. If you did understand, like, you'd be with me. Like, you'd be so excited. And so I I'd even said, but I have the Holy Spirit. I said that. Mm-hmm. And the, the official was just like, well, that's not Jesus. Like, Jesus doesn't live in you. That's just the Holy Spirit. And I was like, eh? And I didn't say anything. Um, But I was just kind of, still kind of confused. Um. Like why that's a distinction to me. Yeah. Obviously, it's true. Yeah. Jesus has a physical body, and he is somewhere, <laughs> uh, right? And so then, um, I'm going to fast forward, because the story can get crazy. About a month later, and maybe I'd preached after this this interaction with the conference official. So you were getting asked to speak places. Yeah. Yeah, I was getting asked to speak places. It's, it's resonating. Uh, I get a call that says they want me to come to the conference office. Okay. And I get a few emails and it's, this has now become like a serious thing. Like this is hmm. not the way the emails were worded was like, there is concern. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, What? And I told Natalie about it. I don't think I told my parents about it. By the context, I'm living with my parents right now because they lived in the same town that I was uh, at the, the where the school was. And we had just came from a boarding academy. We didn't have a down payment for a home. So we were living in their basement. You and Natalie living in the basement, stacking up the cheese. Stacking the cheddar. And so I get out there and I... I remember just praying on the way to the the conference office, just like fervently praying. And you called me. Yeah. What did I tell you, dude? You were just like, Hey man, can we pray? Yeah. And we prayed like you were on your way to this meeting. You're like, I don't know how it's going to go. Water's coming in through my window. Yeah. You were just like, I don't don't know how this is going to go. And so we just prayed that God would, you know, his will would be done, that you would have confidence um, that the truth would be shown. Um, Drew texted me Matthew 10. Drew texted me Matthew 10. and in, On your way yeah, there. Yeah, and Matthew 10 is like this, this, this section of Scripture where like Jesus is explaining that there's nothing to be worried about because he'll speak through you. And uh, that, was, that was super good. And so I was convicted that... 
I needed to tell them my story. Because if I tell them the story of my marriage, um, then how can they disagree with the story, right? This was like, yeah, if I just tell them my story. So I get there and it's all of the big wigs of like all the big wigs in this conference and me. And uh, I start off and I tell them my story and, and they're seeming like, okay, cool, cool. Um, but then they want to talk. They said, they said they didn't want to do a Bible study, but there's just some stuff that's just wrong. And how can you say this? How can you say you're free from sin? And so I try to explain it. Um, and it's, and it's not working. And so that was a point of contention was just like freedom from sin. What does that mean? And how can you say it? It's it's not what you think it is. Yeah. And they're saying, are you saying you're never going to sin again? And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Like just there, there was no agreement. Like I told my story, my story was kind of long. It took like 30, 45 minutes. And then Mm -hmm. they're kind of just like, yo, this is like, you, you've been talking about sexual things and that's uncomfortable for people. And they bring up this person that, that you and I shared and you, Morgan and I shared that conversation and they're at the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. And they're like, this person has complained. And when they said that, I was like, I got shook. I was like, that person complained. And I couldn't believe it. And like, yeah, I remember you told me that, and Morgan and I were shook. Oh man, because like, either either that is the most egregiously misjudged interaction of my entire life that I've had, yeah, or something changed, yeah, after that interaction. It, it has to be one or one or yeah. the other, because I have never walked away from something so confident that. Um, we were in agreement, like that things were good between us, that it was a movement of the Holy Spirit and then been so wrong or something changed. Yeah, that, that, that had me shook. And I was really trying not to argue and defend myself. And I don't think that was sitting well, me not arguing. That's right. That was the main thing you kept saying on your way is I'm not going to defend myself. Yeah. Over and over you said I'm that. not going to defend myself. And to one point, like, they were like, you don't think you're getting mad, but look at you, you are getting mad. And I was like, ah, and like, I was trying, you know, just, just to keep my cool. And then they say one more time, they say, well, I I was talking about the Holy spirit. And then, and the guy says, well, that's the Holy spirit. That's not Jesus. And at this point I got, Mm -hmm. I, I said, I said, you don't believe that. I was like, because if you believe that, then you wouldn't believe Galatians 2.20 that says that you are crucified with Christ and it's no longer you who live, but Christ lives in you. And the life you now live in the flesh, you live by faith in the Son of God. And the guy who said that didn't say anything else after that. And we were mm-hmm. there three hours in the conference office, and then we had went and ate lunch together. So we were there a total of four hours, and we didn't get an inch closer. And at some point, like Mm -hmm. when we're wrapping up, because it's just kind of a circular thing, it's like, you're saying this, and I'm saying, I'm not saying that. And they're like, but you're saying this. I'm like, no, like, you have, hear me, like, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I mean. Like, no, but Mm -hmm. that's what it sounds like. And you're, you're, and so 
at, at one point, um, I said, what do you want, what do you want me to do? Um, cause they were like, well, this could jeopardize your, your job. This could jeopardize your job. This could, I said, what do you want me to do? And they didn't say anything. And then finally one of them said, uh, we don't want you to talk with Jonathan Leonardo ever. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay. And I left that meeting and I called Jonathan and Eddie <laughs> on the way back to the school. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, they told me I should never talk to you. And Jonathan was like, are you, are you serious? I was like, yeah. And Jonathan was just blown away because I don't think he had seen this pushback coming in the way it was coming. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, you're serious, dude? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, like we didn't, we were just kind of like shocked that this was happening. And then I got an email the next day and it was just like, hey, we're sending you a book on the book of Romans that's written by this person. And we would like you to not preach anymore. We would like you to not have worships anymore. We would like you to not speak about anything that's new, any new revelation. Um, we would like, don't do any of these things anymore. If you, if you, and I was like, okay, um, I won't, I won't do any of those things anymore. I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to lose my job. And mm-hmm. after this meeting, I'm just like, man, like, this is serious. But like, if I just do what they want me to do, I'll read that book. Like, I don't have a problem. I'll read the the book. I'll read a book, yeah. sure. And um, how did it sit with you, like, not preaching, not doing worships? I was like, if that's what they want me to do, I'll do what they want me to do. Like, I'm not... Because you didn't want to lose I'm your job. Gonna, I'm not trying to lose my job. I'm not, a, I'm not trying to be a martyr. Mm. You know, I'm not... I, my, my, this was, this school was important to me. And I felt like I had just started there. And I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. like, in my mind, I was going to be there for 10 years. And so I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. So you kind of like built up this expectation in your mind of like, Hey, there's a lot of incredible things I could do. Like I'm, I'm free. I understand what the gospel can do in people's lives. And with this position of influence, like you kind of could see down the line, all the beautiful things that could happen. Yeah. And so this little, like was kind of potentially a, a big blip, like maybe a, a detour, but like in the long run, this was still going to be a good thing. Yeah. And school. I was thinking like, how, how is this going to work in the future? Like, am I always mm. going to be looked at through under like a microscope? And I was mm. like, am I always going to have to? And I, I would just think about it and I was like, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. So uh, 2020 starts January 2020. And I don't, you know, I'm minding my P's and Q's, man. I'm just like, you know, now we're still like, there's still stuff going on with the gospel. Like, the story with Caitlin happens over that time period where I'm up in Lincoln. That's right. Um, all this stuff is happening. So were you talking to Jonathan? Yeah. I don't think you no, were man, I was talking you. to Jonathan okay. all the time. <laughs> okay. I was like, that's the only thing I did that, that they told me to not do. That's the only thing that I was like, well, I mean, like that's it's my, my boy. boy. Like you can't tell me to not be <laughs> friends with somebody. And, uh, no, I mean, and at this point, um, this thing that happened in Lincoln had bonded us all in a way that 
like we were we were all talking every day um mm-hmm. it was and just stories kept coming out like yo this person got free what get on the polo tell the story what like that's that was the vibe and so mm-hmm. it was just like the holy spirit moving just nonstop we were so excited so excited dude and yeah keep going so then um then the Super Bowl comes around and Super the Bowl. Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Oh, the that's Chiefs right. are in the Super Bowl and they win the Super Bowl. And I go to school the next day and I'm wearing my Chiefs jersey and I'm just on cloud nine. You know, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And I get a call that I need to come into the conference office again. With and I'm like, I picked the wrong day to wear a Chiefs jersey. I have to go to the conference office. Like I can't go home and change. But I go out to the conference office, and I walk in, and it's um, the guy who's in charge of education and uh, another guy, and they're looking pretty upset. And I have no idea what, what's going on. And they're like, "Did you have a conversation about sex with?" the boys during the retreat that you said this and this and this and this and this and this. And And he was naming some, some stuff and I'm sitting there and he's pretty upset. And I was like, well, do he didn't say, did you, he said, you did have this conversation. And, and then when he gets done, I was like, would you like me to respond? And he was like, yes. And I said, I don't remember everything I said in the conversation four or five months ago, but that sounds like something I would say 100%, 100%. (laughs) Like that sounds exactly like me, (laughs) but I don't remember exactly what I said. And then he's like, what makes you think you can talk about these sorts of things. And I'm like, I said, I've been doing this my whole career. I did this at Union College. I did this at the next school I was at. And I did this, like, this is, our our young men are getting so much faulty information. Um, Like, they need someone who loves them and loves God to put sex in a correct perspective. Uh, was I lighthearted about it and shared some things? Like, was I frank? Yeah. I said, but the teachers that had the most impact on my life were the teachers that were honest about this stuff. And at this point, um, they kind of calmed down a little bit. They're not angry anymore. And I didn't apologize. And they said something like, well, would you do this again? I said, well, I, I don't think I would because, I, I mean, it sounds like they were offended. So I wouldn't want to offend somebody. So I, I don't think I would. And uh, I th- like they kind of understood where I was coming from. And then they're like, well, what would you say? Like, like, you might lose your job over this. And I said, well, I didn't beg to come here. I won't beg to stay. And 
I think looking back, I know what I was feeling. And I know like all, everything in my life was about identity in Christ. Everything was about like, where does your hope come from? Where does your peace come from? Where does your joy come from? But I know that when I said that, I know that it probably sounded super arrogant, even though my heart... I was going to say... My heart was not that, that at That kind of sounds like it, but your heart was at peace. It, w- it was you trying to speak from abundance of like, listen, I didn't need this job because God provides for me, but it comes out yeah. like, I don't need y'all. I didn't want to come here yeah. first. You know what I mean? But I, I, I didn't know how to answer any other way. Like, again, I was not going to defend myself. Mm-hmm. And... uh that next week, I get called into another committee and they ask me, they're like, how could you speak about these things? Like, is it any of your business that, like, they asked me a question and I was like, um, no, it's not my business. But if we're just here talking about reading, writing, and arithmetic, then what are we doing? Like, this is a Christian school. We care about them Mm -hmm. like the reading writing and arithmetic that's cool but we use that in a way to get to who they are and talk to about them Mm -hmm. and um they were like okay and that was a it was like a thursday or a thursday night and the next day was friday and uh, they uh, they were going to come with, to me with their decision after school. And so after school, I'm there and I'm kind of just waiting. And uh, they come into my office and they're like, we have desire, decided to not rehire you for next year. And you can either resign, which will be good because then you can control the story uh, and you could get a different job or, uh, you know, we'll have to go through all the steps to, to fire you. And that will be a lot harder. There's, you know, there's gotta be board meetings and, and they're like, what, what would you like to do? And I said, let me get back to you. And they let, uh, and I said something like, let's not let this get be weird between us. Like if you see me, Mm. like I'm good. Like don't be weird around me. I'm, I'm good. And, uh, they're like, Oh, oh, okay. And I walked into the front (laughs) office and I told my secretary and she was just shocked because she knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And she was just looking at me like, wow. Mm. And I think the hardest thing about that, the, the hardest thing was next, is that I went home. I called Natalie right away. But then I mm-hmm. went home and I had to tell my mom. And my mom hadn't heard, she didn't know any of this was going on. No. Oh, really? Because now we're we're to what, like? March, April? This is uh, middle of February. Middle of February. So we're four months past the first time they called you. Yeah. And you and your mom are yeah. close. And your mom's a well-known lady in that in that yeah. region. Been very involved with the school. And she's she's a dynamite. 
Like she's just like a stick of dynamite. I I love Mrs. Young. She was hurt. And so she finds out what she's she's hurt. hurt, man. Then my dad finds out. And my dad, like it kills him. He's just angry. He's like, what is going on? Mm. And uh, so... So what's going on for you? Because, I mean, I've been around you before when you didn't get along with your boss. (laughs) You and I were one time... (laughs) Yeah, you have. (laughs) One time, I think I was in college, and you were like, bro, let's go look at shoes. So we went to the mall, and we were walking around a footlocker, and you got a call from your boss. And almost immediately... I wish people could see me do this, but almost immediately, you were just like... Oh, but what? Mm. And as soon as you hung up your phone call, uh-huh. you were just looking at me, you were like, just sad. Like there was no life in your face. And you were just like, bro, this isn't fun for me. Let's go home. Yeah. Like it sucked all the wind out of your sails. Yeah. Because your boss was upset with you. So now you're you're not only fine like you've known that your boss is upset with you in in a yeah. way right your boss is whoever, but now it's come to the point where it's like, whatever your worst fears are when your boss is upset with you are being realized, mm-hmm. and you come home and you have sympathy and support from people who know you and mm-hmm. love you, all of these things I would imagine they're creating a whirlwind of emotions. What what were you man? Going it through? was it was a couple of different things because my wife was just solid. And not to say mm. my parents weren't solid. Praise the Lord. My parents, this 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 was like a, a a sneak attack on them. Like they didn't see this coming. And Natalie right. had, you know, I've been talking to her along the whole way, and she was just like, "Babe, like, what can what can hurt us? Wow. If he is for us, who is against us?" Mm. And then I had like you and Eddie and Jonathan, and you guys wouldn't let me feel sorry for myself. Like you would never position me in like anything like but abundance and that mm-hmm. Jonathan I think even one time was like what's the worst that can happen Rich and I'm like I, I guess I would lose my job and he's like does God love you are you free from sin has your marriage been transformed would you trade any of that for your job and I was like no he's like you're good my boy and so I was hearing that but then it hurt me to see my parents. Mm. It did hurt me to see my parents. And then what happened through that month, that month was the hardest month, I think, of my life. Really? In Yeah. Because the school didn't know about it. Only a few people like on, on the board knew about it. And they were waiting to find out if I was going to resign. Mm, and right. uh, I went up to Lincoln for this basketball tournament. And... Uh, cause I was the coach of the girls basketball team and they call me and they're like, have you decided if uh, you're going to resign or if you're going to, you know, go the other route? And I was like, Oh no, yeah, I'm not going to resign. <laughs> so how did you come to that decision? Like, it was just like, it was like, there would be no point. Like if they are really are against me like that, like, the the whole point of resigning is that you don't have to say you got fired and then other people will look at you and they'll, um, they'll look at you in a better light because you didn't get fired. Mm. Um, and so, so much so that, um, a conference official came to my office the next week and wanted to convince me to resign. 
And I was just like, no. And I regret, I regret the, how I acted in that conversation. Cause I'm sure I know how I came across. I came across like indifferent. No. Like I'm not going to defend myself. I'm not going to sit here and defend myself. I'm not going to do any of that. Like, um, and why was it yeah, so but, important to you not to defend yourself? Because Jesus never defended himself. Mm. Because when you defend yourself, you make somebody else your judge, jury, and executioner. You come under their condemnation when you defend yourself. Wow. And so, like... That's why you had resolved in your heart, I'm not going to defend myself. I was convicted. There's no way I'm going to... And even in this conversation where he's trying to convince me to resign, I was like, listen, I'm not going to defend myself. And he's like, that's so arrogant. Hmm. And so it was that and conviction was like, specifically that was coming across oftentimes as arrogant. Uh, as arrogance, yeah. yeah. And and the guy got up to leave and I even told him, I was like, I love you. And um, it just, it didn't land at all. Mm. He he said to me, uh, like at the end, he was like, well, let's pray. And I'm like, well, why do you want to pray with me? And he was like, well, cause, it's because what we do at the end of these things. Like he was mad. Mm. And like I said, I regret how I, I, I think I did get, I think I argued a little bit with him, like on his, like, I'm like, you're telling me to resign so I could get a different position somewhere else, but you wouldn't give me a good reference. And he even said, no, I would not. Mm -hmm. I think you would be a terrible such and such. Mm -hmm. And I was like, (sighs) so it's like, really like you got me between a rock and a hard place, but you want me to do this thing. And I can't in good conscience do that thing. It kind of reminds me of two things. One of them is a silly comparison (laughs) and the other one is like super dramatic. So somewhere I feel like you're right in between these two. One of them is when Morgan wanted me to be sleeping in the guest room, but she had Uh started letting me sleep in our room together. Uh And when she started letting me sleep in our room together, I wouldn't go back to the guest room. I would sleep on the couch. And the reason I wouldn't go back to the guest room is because I was like, no, like this is our room and this is our bed. And if you don't want me to sleep in it, then I'm going to sleep on the couch because that's like the guest room is not my room. It kind of felt like I wanted her to see like you are making me like you have decided you don't want to sleep together. And so I'll sleep Uh on the couch. And it was a very silly. She always calls me so dramatic. And it it, it was it was a dramatic thing to do in the moment. But to be fair, there was a lot of drama going on in your life at this point. You could say there was quite a bit of drama for sure. And the other one that it reminds me of that I think is a way more hardcore version of it is uh, Martin Luther being brought to the stand. I've been reading um, uh, Great Controversy Controversy where it's like, will you recant? And, And almost like resigning it seems like part of it for you would have been almost like saying like, like I did something wrong or it would almost, it would almost be like you recanting on the truths that you'd been standing on that God had your back. Yeah. And so you need to, if, if he doesn't have my back, then I need to try to secure my own future, my own job. And so you trying to stand on the truth that like this job is not your provider. God is your right. provider, then to resign would be almost recanting on that truth in your life. It would be like admitted admission of wrongdoing. It would be like, I, I agree with you that this is a fireable offense. 
and in, and part of me was like, I cannot face those kids. Mm. I cannot face those kids and tell them I'm choosing to leave. Because mm. like at this point, like this is my second year. I'm coaching a girls basketball team. We're bonding. Like like these kids mean so much to me. And I think that was the thing that was killing me the most were, were, were the kids. True. And to face them and to say, yeah, I'm deciding to leave. And they would look at me and they'd say, Mr. Young, why? Mm-hmm. And I would not be able to tell them why. Right. And I'm like, I can't do that. In the fall of 2019, the Love Reality Squad made it back to PVC, where we recorded Wave 2, which is uh, the jump off from Tyler and Morgan's story, Joyce and Will, BB. All of that is, is free on YouTube at PVC Life. It's called uh, Love Reality Tour Ransom and Renewed. So if you want to hear the whole week of Wave 2, uh, check out PVC Life. Love Reality Tour, Ransom and Renewed. You'll be blessed. And so then it got, then it got hairy, bro. After that, it got, it was not good. Uh, We had a a big meeting where um, now they all have to decide this thing. And they let me speak. They said they would let me speak for a couple minutes. And so I wrote out a whole thing, what I was going to say. And my whole thing was about um, how this is what I've done my whole career and how um, the teachers that did, you know, kind of what I had said, but like these kids are everything to me. Yeah. That's, that was, and so this meeting starts and they say they're going to bring me in in a couple minutes because to, so I can have my, my say or whatever. And 30 minutes pass, an hour passes, an hour and a half passes, and they don't come and get me. Hmm. And I don't think I've ever heard about this. Man, this this was probably the largest impact on me. Is I was in the classroom that was right next to my office, and I I'm a pacer. I pace. And I was just pacing and pacing and pacing and just praying. Mm-hmm. and talking to God. And I was like, I want to hear, I want to hear, like, tell me something. Mm-hmm. I just want to hear, you know? And I couldn't hear anything. And I was just like, I just need something from you. And what came, like, what I heard in my heart was this. It was like, Richard, you know I love you like a father but I also love you like a friend. Like, not only do I, like, I'm rooting for you. I'm cheering for you. And you're, you're going to be good. And I remember feeling that. And I'm like, okay. Um, and I went in and I said my piece and I got a little choked up. Right when I walked in the room, I saw that there was a conference official there. And in my mind, I knew it was over. Because they don't normally show up to meetings like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it, it's over. Mm-hmm. But I said my piece and uh, my, my, my direct supervisor came out 
like I walked out of the room after saying my piece. I probably talked for like four or five minutes. I walked out and he, he walked out with me. This man was generous with me. He, he showed me a lot of compassion. I think he was between a rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. And he walked up to me and my back was to him. And when he got up to me, he saw my face was just filled with tears. Mm-hmm. And um, he, I think he got a little emotional. And I drove to my, my secretary's house, the school secretary, her and her husband. And I just sat in their living room and we just sat and waited because this meeting was to decide like my fate. And we're just sitting in there and we're praying and we're crying a little bit. And then the phone call comes in and the phone call is like, we've decided to, to terminate your contract for next year. And I said, okay. And I got in the car and I called Natalie and I'm like, this is it. Mm. And, uh, the next day I had our final basketball game of the season and we go and we had gotten so much better throughout the year and we win the game and we go down in the locker room and, um, like I, at the end of the season with, with any basketball team I've ever had at, at the last game, I don't talk about the game at all. Mm-hmm. We just talk about the seniors. You know, I just want to thank the seniors and, uh, my assistant coaches knew what was going on. They'd been with me the whole time. And we get down in this locker room and I say, you know, I just want to thank our seniors. Um, you know, the hard work that they put in this year will benefit this team for years to come. And just like it was their last game today, it is also my last game um, because I will not be coming back to the school next year. And it was, <laughs> it was me, my two assistant coaches and the, the rest of the girls basketball team. And it was like, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just like, we lost the last game of the season and it was just everyone's just crying, mm. just heartbreak. And uh, the next day it got out to the school, like the community. Mm-hmm. And people were upset. And this is the part that chokes me up. Kids started writing letters and saying these wonderful things. I would see these letters and it was just like, wow. And I'm just praising God. Like, I can't believe God has allowed me to be an impact like this Mm -hmm. or has worked through me to have this impact. And, uh, one of the, the senior guys, um, he wanted to talk to me. And so, uh, I took him to a restaurant and we're at the restaurant and he says, none of those guys were, um, offended by anything you said on that trip, at the retreat. None of them. They just, like, you had made a decision that they didn't like, and so they were trying to kind of get you out. Like, I was going to go on their class trip, and they didn't want you on the class trip, so that they tried to get you off the class trip by saying that, telling people that you offended them. And I was... It's like you could have knocked me over with a feather, bro. I was shocked. Because this whole time I was like, man, I messed up. I shouldn't have, you know, I really felt like, man, I, I didn't know that they were offended. You know, I didn't know mm-hmm. I had, I had crossed the line. I mean, we were, we were constantly, 
I think we have been going so hard because we were so excited. And the Word of God is offensive anyways. Yeah. And then our testimonies, because they reveal things so convincingly, and it's 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 offensive. Testimonies yeah. are offensive. One man's testimony is another man's trigger. And we were going so hard, but we had known, like, you had called me about this gal at the, the Chinese restaurant. We were shook. We were like, what in the world? Our other friend that you met with had kind of felt like, um, you know, we'd like we had kind of come in and and it was this impersonal thing we were just trying to get notches in our belt of people getting free and it, it, mm-hmm. and there were these different perceptions Caitlin saying that we're like the Sabbath school sharks and so there was this i mean for a long time you and i kind of felt like yo we did we go too hard well we even got that letter and we were in lincoln at drew's house and we were all you know in his back bedroom and we're facetiming with jonathan and i like i read this letter and Jonathan's just like, hey, guys, check this out. If some of that stuff in that letter is true, then stop doing that that stuff. If it's not, then don't worry about it. And we're think- sitting there, like, part of it was like you had not been attending church anymore or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, they're saying, like, you know, all the, oh, these guys, like, it's a group. It's a, like, it's like a, like, you've got to get into their group kind of stuff. And, um, like some of that stuff's fair for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Because of how we were operating and we, we had to learn and we had to grow from that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there was so much, and if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, you'll hopefully you'll have witnessed some growth in, in the way this message has been shared. And so, um, but when this kid tells me it wasn't because of like, no one was offended that hit me like, like I, it was, it was like validation, like Richard, what you said to those kids wasn't wrong, but it was also like, it hurt. Like, it's like when your house gets robbed, if your house has ever gotten robbed, like you walk in the house and you're like, someone was here who I don't know and was just rummaging around my stuff. Mm. That's how it feels like to get something robbed from you. That's how it felt. I was like, like a violation. What? Yeah. And so I even went to talk to that kid's parents and I wanted to see like, if I let them know that like, this is all based on a lie, maybe they'll talk to the conference, but I didn't want to ask them to. So I prayed about it and I went and I talked to, to this dude's dad. And I was just like, did you know such and such and such? And he's like, yeah, that's pretty, that's sad. And I knew that he wasn't going to say anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And so I was like, I'm not going to ask him to say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then um, what came out was that they were saying that I believe crazy things. Mm-hmm. But nobody could really say what I believe. They were saying stuff like, Richard believes that he has a connection with the Holy Spirit. And so some people would hear that and they're like, good. Doesn't the Bible say that? (laughs) Yeah, like, great. And then other people would be like, wait, wait, why is that wrong? And so there was like so much confusion going on. Like, to this day, I don't think people in that community actually know why, what happened, why it happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there was one more meeting that they had, and this was like union-wide to vote on this thing. And they 
said, well, you can still resign. And it, and I said, no, I'm not going to resign. And they said I could go to that meeting. And I was like, no, I, I said my piece. Um, and, um, when, uh, when they called me at the end of that meeting, that was the final, like, it's for sure. Um, you're, you're done at the school. They called me and, um, I, you know, it was a very short conversation. I said, okay. And I went upstairs and I told my mom and my dad and we broke down into tears, Mm -hmm. but then we all got on our knees and we prayed. And in my heart, I just said, father, I, I forgive them. I don't want any bitterness. Um, thank you for, you know, thank you for loving. Like in my, my heart and mind, I was like, I can't have any room for forgiveness or unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. And then people in the community kept coming to me and saying how wrong they had done me. And I, I, I literally said, please, please don't do this. Like, you're going to make me feel sorry for myself. And if I feel sorry for myself, there's no depth to where like that, that can go. Like, it'll just keep going. And I remember Jonathan called me and Jonathan was, he was sad. Mm-hmm. Like, I think in some way, it, 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 he wasn't responsible. No, but that was a lie. That was a lie that he had to, I mean, and he's had to speak truth over several times is that I know that he has felt responsible and it's, it's not true. It's a lie. Yeah. Like we are, we are accountable to God and God is responsible for us. But um, yeah, that was, that was definitely yeah. fuel on that lies fire for him. No, nah, man. And so that month was crazy. Um, but the people like, there was people that God just kept loving me, man. Just kept loving me and saying, no, son, you're good. Son, you're good. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to protect yourself. And sheesh. I mean, Rich, think about this. I don't know why this is only hitting me for the first time now. When, when I shared my testimony, those 300 times in however long, the thing that I would say almost every time was I used, when I realized I had been a slave to needing affirmation, within two weeks, the person whose affirmation I wanted most told me, you are never going to be a different person. Right. And for you, this is something that you and I have always, I mean, had in common and joked about and been able mm-hmm. to relate with is like, just loving people and loving people loving us. Yeah. And affirmation and validation and these types of things. And I mean, what you went through, what you just shared with us is a public, it's the opposite of validation. It's the opposite of affirmation and it's public. It's like a public shame, bro. And that's, that's what people can, I mean, that's, that's what comes along. I mean, there's so many people who carry shame over losing their job or shame, like in my case, shame over divorce or mistakes in relationships. And what you're telling us, like in, in this story of what God's done in your life is that those feelings are very real and those lies, they come strong and they come heavy. And that's part of your experience, but that all along and throughout it, God was faithful and loved you and sustained you. Bro, it was, my sister called me 
And my sister was mad. She loves me so much. And she called me and she's like, I can't believe you're handling this the way you're handling it. Mm. And I said, Miriam, I've been loved by God. And it's like the, the point I was trying to make is like, this is not like, I'm not like some amazing person or some great Christian. I have been loved by God very well. Mm-hmm. Like there's been so much evidence that he is who he is, is mm-hmm. who he says he is, loves like he says he loves, that that's how I'm doing this. And I want to make sure I I never wanted to lose my job. Right. And I didn't think I was. And Eddie would say, Richard, don't believe it until you're walking out with with your box of stuff, you know, how they mm-hmm. do it on TV. <laughs> and and in that way, I was like, yeah, because he was like, if, if God hasn't told you it's going to happen, maybe, you know. Um, But then COVID hit, bro. Oh, that's and right. This was all right as COVID was hitting. COVID hit right away. And it was almost, it was a blessing in this way, dude. I didn't have to, like, to see those kids on their last day of school and to go through graduation and to go through all of this stuff would have been really like a gut punch. Because for me, um, it's like, that's, it's the kids. Like, that's what keeps me going. Like, that's why, that's why I love that job is, Mm -hmm. is the kids. And so, um, it was still, you know, it was still awkward doing final things and, and doing all that sort of stuff. But in God's, I don't know, he just, it was just a blessing that, um, that I was able to, to not have to experience all that. And then on the last day that I was, had a contract there, like, uh, my direct supervisor called me and was just like, you know, he prayed with me and, and, uh, yeah, man, it was, there was a lot of feelings. I, I, after, um, the music teacher had told me that he had worked at Amazon and just gotten the job really easy. Cause, cause I had talked, he was my vice principal. So I talked to him all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I talked to the vice principal, the the secretary of the school like she'd been she's been in my office where i was just breaking down like mm. just crying just like yeah i knew i was good and yeah i believed and i had faith but there's times when it hit me like i'm sitting there and i'm like this is not my god this is like i'm done here and i would like i broke down and cried heavy one time and she was just like she's like one of my favorite people she was so loving and just cried with me um but that lady is one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my life. Still, she's still, still my my Bro, bestie for the resty. So I think a lot of people that don't know you, they all they see is kind of what we were talking about in that interaction that you had where you're like, I didn't beg for my job. I'm not going to beg to keep it. Where it's like this almost like cool. I mean, this was my first impression of you. Like too cool for school and like just so chill and indifferent. But the reality, and this is why so quickly you became one of my best friends, is that you're one of the most sensitive and emotional people I've ever met in my life. Yeah. (laughs) I can't choose. I didn't choose to be like this. And now I see my son, Jonathan, and he is just like me, dude. He is emotional and sensitive, and he gets it from his daddy. He gets it from his daddy. So you were going, I, I mean, when you felt these things, you were feeling them deeply. Oh, man. Oh man, because this was this was not just like this was my alma mater. 
this is where I went to high school. Like, this is like, I was, I was like an unofficial mascot. Like, I loved this place with my whole heart. Mm -hmm. And for it to end in like a shame like that. And, and like the community really just showed so much love for me. And, um, like they went to the meeting and, and tried to fight for me. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I saw so much love and, um, it was just, it was crazy hard, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you hear about Amazon and you're like, I mean, I'm I mean, I was, it was like, high school, but Amazon though. <laughs> well, it was like, well, what are my options? Um, and so like I signed up and it had me working the day shift from such and such. And it like, you know, a job is going to be low key wild when the, you don't have any kind of interview. You just have to like press a few buttons and like, like you got to look on the screen and say, does this box fit here or here? Like that's the kind (laughs) of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And they just have to like make sure you're not um, a felon. And uh, then they're like, okay, uh, this is when you start. (laughs) And so shout out to anybody who works at Amazon or warehouses, but like this was, this was wild. Uh, And so I'm like, okay, I'm working days and it was perfect. It was awesome. How long were you working days? Zero. Because I I got an email the next day and it said, no, you're on the night shift. And I was like, what? I'm like, and so I told Natalie and my, and my mom, I was like, I'm going to be working the night shift. And Natalie, you know, she's worked night shift before. She knows about it. And it was like, and I was like, you know what? I can do this. And it was kind of like exciting mm-hmm. in a way. Like, I'm going to go work at Amazon and, and I'm going to work the night shift and it'll be cool. <laughs> and so I show up, I think like it's a, a Sunday night is my first night at Amazon. It must be like the first of July or something like that. And I'm just like, it's like me and like three or four kids and a, uh, a guy who wants to work on the dock. Okay. So in a warehouse, you've got, you've got stuff that comes into the warehouse and there, there's a, a area for that. You got stuff that goes out of the warehouse there's an area for that. And then there's like the dock side, like where they put all the stuff in trucks. And I was going to work outbound and I was going to work packing. So there's picking, which you drive around in this cool contraption and you go really high in the warehouse and you put stuff in these carts. And then packing is you get all the carts that the people from inbound brought to you and you put them all in boxes and then you send it to the dock side and they put it on the trucks. This is kind of how... Uh, outbound side works. This is the and behind I'm, the scenes of like everybody's ordered something from Amazon. And I don't know if, if anybody's ever thought about like what happened to the box before it got to you. But Richard Young, he just <laughs> he just told us the secrets of the warehouse. <laughs> the secrets is somehow it gets on a computer and it's in this huge warehouse and a guy in a little truck drives around and finds it in the warehouse, puts it in a big metal cage. That metal cage comes to my packing station and I am like, working like I'm working my butt off to pack super fast to get it in a box and put it on a conveyor belt. And the, the more boxes I get in an hour, like the better, like that speaks well of like my section. And so you've got these little managers, uh, walking around and they're like 
trying to make sure like you're always on a time crunch. Like you have to have a certain, like there's these certain boxes that they have to be out by like your shift starts at six 30 and they've got to be out by nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then once the nine o'clock shift is done, there's stuff that needs to be out by 1130. And once the 1130 stuff is out, like there's stuff that needs to be out by two 30 and then by four in the morning. And so you're always on a time crunch and you're just, you're just packing your little butt off. And so I'm learning like, like I had no, I, 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 I don't know anything about working with my hands or working in a warehouse or like all I've done is be like a recruiter. I just talk to people. You should come to my school. And then like a Dean and a basketball coach, like, so I don't know. I feel like most of your jobs throughout your life up to this point had been looking cool and giving <laughs> advice. <laughs> I mean, that's what I wanted to do. You know, so now all of a sudden, I remember when you told us that you were going to Amazon. Morgan and I were dying, and like Loki, we we love to make fun of you a little bit. Like when you invited me over to your house to mow your lawn, and you didn't know how to start it, you didn't no. know how to start your own lawnmower, and I was like, "What the heck is going?" He's thirty years old, and now you're working at Amazon, and you got work gloves. And I'm going to fast forward because this is this feels like the right time to tell it. When Morgan and I moved to Hawaii. Like I would ask Richard for help with various things and he would be like, uh, no, I'll get pizza. And so when we said we were moving, Richard and Natalie came up specifically just to help us pack up our house and to say goodbye to us. And Richard showed up and he got his little, his little Amazon work gloves on. And he was like, all right, what are we doing? And you started moving stuff in and out of our house so fast. And Morgan and I, our jaws were on the floor, bro. We were like, who is this guy? You had like three months of Amazon experience and you were killing it. Jeff Bezos <laughs> hooked it up, bro. <laughs> Jeff Bezos, man. That's my boy now. Actually, he's not my boy, but no, nah, man, I was, it was different. So I've got a question for you. You're working at Amazon after you've been a principal of uh, Adventist Academy and I've just like, did this, were you tempted for this job to be like a shot at your ego? Like to look down on myself? Yeah. Like, oh, cause I know you've had people come on and you say this to them all the time when they talk about working warehouse jobs or labor jobs and they might talk low about it and you'll be like, yo, because I feel like this time it really changed your perspective, even of that kind of work. What was your perspective oh, about your job? Man, I saw the people, dude. I saw brokenness Mm. and the Holy spirit was revealing to me so much in this time period. And what he was revealing to me was, well, first of all, I thought people were always drawn to me because of my charisma Mm. and maybe they were, but my first few days at Amazon people are coming over to my station and just hanging out and asking me questions and talking to me. And I was like, Oh, this can't be my charisma. Cause I wasn't like, we're wearing masks. You can't even see my face really. Mm-hmm. Um, but like first night I saw this girl who just looked like super depressed mm-hmm. and she looks like she's just like right out of high school and she's working nights at Amazon and that sounds bad the way I said it. It's not, it's not something you sign up for. You don't want to work right. like right when you graduate from, from high school. Like, it's not like, yeah, I'll work at a warehouse. 
And it's not and, you don't you aren't saying this stuff because you actually think lowly about the job, but no, because that is the stigma. Like it nobody looked goes to like, high school. Yeah. It looked like she didn't want like she wanted the earth to swallow her up. Mm, yeah. And yeah. I start talking to her. And I'm just like, what's what's up? Like, and she's like super weirded out because like I just go up and I talk to everybody. And she's like super weirded out. But then she starts revealing like this relationship that she was in and it's broken her heart and and she she's looking at herself in this super weird way and uh she ends up packing next to me one night like our section like we're right next to each other and i just start pouring life into her and i'm just like no like like that's not it you Mm -hmm. can't see yourself like that and she's like listening to me there's another guy who worked there that had this crazy limp like he could barely move and one day I, I come up to him. I'm like, bro, what's with, what's with the limp, man? Tell me about it. And he's like, you don't want to know. I was like, no, man, what, why? What, what, what? And he's like, well, I tried to kill myself and it mm. didn't work. And so like, it's left me like this. And mm. I just said, why did you try to kill yourself? And he goes into it. And at the end, I'm like, can I tell you something? And he's like, what? I'm like, you are valuable. Mm. And he's looking at me like, can this possibly be true? And I'm like, you're valuable, bro. Like, I'm so happy you're here. And it's because like, God loves you. And he's like, well, man, I'm not religious or anything. And I'm like, man, I'm not religious either. I just, I just follow Jesus Christ. And he's like, huh. And like, you're just seeing these people, bro. It was just, there was this woman I work with who was just like really struggling with like something her daughter had done. Her daughter had had a baby before she was married. And like, there was just bitterness and resentment pouring out of her. And so I just got to pour life into her and she was a Christian. And so, and she had actually gone to a school like that's right across from my school that I went to. And so like, we got familiar talking about that stuff. And then I was just like, you know what God has done? And and I just got to pour into her and, and she was encouraging to me. And um, like, we became really tight and, uh, all this stuff is going on like, and it's hard, like it's hard work. And my ankle, I have like bad ankle injury. And so like, and some of it wasn't fun, but like I was, I was realizing like people are seeing the Holy spirit in me. Mm -hmm. And so I just got to love these people. And it came to a point, like I wanted to, I wanted to go to work so like I could see these people. Mm -hmm. And, um, so more of the same. Yeah, that's man. exactly how you were talking about your students. Yeah, man. It and it was <sighs> some of the 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 crazy stuff that happened. Uh the girl that um like was super depressed about her relationship, like she started catching on to freedom a little bit. Mm. Like she ended what did up that sound it, like? She was just like she told me she's like, I uh I think I believe in God again. Wow. I was like word she's like yeah and she ended up she she loved tattoos and she ended up getting a tattoo on her wrist that said perfect love casts out all fear 
Hallelujah. Yeah. And I was just like, she showed it to oh me and I was gosh. like, I was like, yo, I was like, why'd you, did you just get that? She was like, yeah. Cause I just told her, I was like, first John four, 17, 18, you know, um, we we're just talking about it. And she comes back and she's like, I'm all about it now. And I was like, let's, <laughs> I was like, let's go. <laughs> That's uh, so beautiful. She's, she's still a friend of mine. I love her. Um, I think the wildest story, uh, is, uh, this is like several months I'm working in. First you start in the pack station and then they, when you get good at that, they move you down to this, it's called BOD. It's called box on demand. And it's like when there's big <laughs> items, I, I'm remembering all this stuff when there's big items that you have to make a box for. And so it's like a four person team down there and you're making all these, uh, boxes and it's, it's, it's a little bit difficult. You got to get, you got to get a hang of it. And, uh, <laughs> I love hearing you talk about Amazon and how it works. <laughs> it's and, like my favorite. and so I'm, I'm down here and, um, there's this guy and it's the guy that started with me my first night. Uh, but that was going to work on the dock side. And, uh, he comes up to me and I've, I've had maybe a couple conversations with him in passing, like in the break room or something. Um, but not a lot. And he comes up to me one day and he's like, I was really angry last week and I thought about you and it calmed me down. And I said, what? I said, you, you were at your house and you were angry and you thought about me and it calmed you down. He's like, yeah, we don't talk, but I hear how you talk to other people and I hear how you treat them and you just talk to them like they're people. Wow. And I hear all of that. And I thought about how you handle things here and it calmed me down from being angry. And I've never in my life ever had anyone tell me something like that. And I looked at him and I'm like, bro, thank you for this encouragement. Like, thank you. And he was like, yeah, man. And he just went away. And like, I saw him a couple hours later. It's like after lunch, it's like two 30 in the morning. And I come up to him again. I'm like, Bro, I just have to tell you, like, the reason that I'm able to be like I am is because, because Jesus has changed my life. Mm. And he looked at me and he said, I was in the penitentiary for seven years because of anger. He's like, so your example is saving my life. Wow. And I was like, bro. I'm shook. And... I just went home and I just, I was like crying. I was praising God. I told Natalie, I was like, you'll never believe what this man told me. And there was like, when you're talking about like, there was hard times for sure. I, I remember like, like I said, the hardest time at Amazon is after lunch and before, before the last break. So you get out of lunch, it's like 11.45 at night, and your next break, it's the longest time period in between breaks, it's like two hours of solid packing. And I remember sitting there one night, and I'm just packing, and all of this bitterness and anger and resentment starts building up in my heart for how people treated me. And mm. like 
there was just lies that were spread about me and stuff like that. People didn't even understand about what I believe. And, and it was just like stuff that I said, I don't believe that. People said, no, this is what Richard believes. And I'm sitting there and I'm just bitter and I'm angry and I'm packing these boxes and I'm thinking, man, I had this and now look at me here and I'm tired. Like my muscles are hurting. Like I'm like, I'm just like, and I was just thinking all this stuff. And all of a sudden, dude, I get this feeling that I have COVID. Like my body starts feeling chills mm-hmm. and I'm getting really weak and like my body can't move. And I'm just like, and this is like pandemic central, like the direct beginning to middle of the pandemic, probably even more so in the beginning, like we're all afraid of everything. I'm getting COVID tested every two weeks at the warehouse. And it seems like every single person that I've worked with in the warehouse has gotten COVID except for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I ha- I have to have it. I have COVID. I got to tell my manager, I got to go home. And I just, for a minute there, I just started to sing. And I would sing the song Clean by Hillsong United because it's, mm. it's a very short song and the, the, the lyrics are beautiful. I would sing that over and over again. I would start it, I would finish it, and I would go right back into it. And then I would repeat Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 over and over. And then I would start in 2 Corinthians uh, 5, 17 through 21 and just repeat them. And so in the middle of me feeling like I have COVID, I just start saying, blessed be the... God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with everything, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him and love you, predestined us for adopting to himself according to the purpose of the will, to Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. And I would just go and I would just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Within 15 minutes, bro, COVID was gone. I was like, oh. Felt good, huh? Oh, I, I was like, oh, I was just living in unforgiveness. I was just living in bitterness. Like the unforgiveness and bitterness jacked my body for those moments. And so much that I'm like, I, I I have to have COVID. And then within 15 minutes, I just finished my, my shift and I was awesome. So like I was just learning and learning and there would be times where I felt super heavy and I had to, to speak that truth over whatever I was feeling. And, uh, one night, <laughs> one night, um, I go into the, the break room and, uh, I open Twitter and I see this thing that Eddie put on Twitter and like, it's turning into like a big brouhaha. Like, and then I get a call from Morgan <laughs> And you were on the phone too. And she was like, so angry. And I was like, Morgan, I'm like, no. Like, and she wanted like some information that I had. And I was like, I can give it to you tomorrow. Somebody made her mad. That was coming for Eddie and what he tweeted. And she wanted that person's number from you. Yeah. And it was like incredible. Like there were so many times like that. My break timing lined up with somebody calling me. Mm. like Jadra called me one time during my break and she was upset about something and I was able to speak life over her. Um, 
and then uh, this thing with Morgan. And then I would get off of work and I would drive home and I would call you because it's like 11 o'clock your time in Hawaii and I'm driving home from from working at Amazon. And, uh, bro, like, it was it was wild, man, the stuff that was happening. Um, just, I was able to speak life over my managers. I'm older than all of them. You know, they're all, <laughs> like, in their late 20s and I'm like when they find out how old I am they're like what why are you here like how old are you <laughs> they're all trying to get me like you should be you should be a tier 4 like they're trying to get me jobs like a manager job you have a college degree yeah, like you why are you packing here and uh it was wild and the super bowl weekend comes again man and we had just had this weekend in lincoln where a bunch of us had just gotten together and it was so much fun. Like I got to meet Justin. I got to meet like Connor and Zach had come up and Nicholas. It was like this amazing weekend. And I go back to Amazon and I'm just like, it was just hard, man. And this had been working there for a half a year. And, uh, oh, let me not forget this thing. Let me backtrack a little bit before we go here. Early September, I'm working at Amazon July, August. In September, my friend Jennifer and my friend Lauren are talking to me about doing a podcast. Oh. And they're just like, you should do a podcast. And I had thought about doing one before, but I had no idea like what it was going to be about. I was like, I guess Tyler and I could talk gospel. We could just talk gospel. Like we could bring up different stuff and just talk about it on this podcast. And that, that could be super cool. And, um, I just decided Lauren told me, she's like, the only way to start is to just start. Like just start. And I went on Amazon.com and I, I probably packed the mic myself. I ordered a mic <laughs> and I ordered headphones. And I was like, I'm going to do a podcast. I don't know what it's going to be about. And I don't remember when it became like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask Tyler. I'm going to interview Tyler and find out his story. Like, we're just going to share Tyler's story. That can be the first episode of the podcast. I don't remember when it, when it became that. Do you remember like when we were talking about this? Like when I was like, Oh, we'll just tell you, we'll, you'll just do your testimony. Do you remember this? Yeah. I think it was even, it was in between when you helped us pack up and when we got here. So during the month of October, September, September, September. And you were just like, like, yeah, I want to do this. And and I just remember hearing your idea and it having so much agreement because throughout the years, the one thing that I was always grateful for you being around, and there was only one. No, I'm just Because <laughs> I documented everything. <laughs> well, you would document everything and you could always you could always keep a car full of people talking. Like not just you talking, but you were so good at like getting stories from people. You were so good at them sharing things about their life. 
And so when you gave this idea for this podcast, I was just like, oh, I mean, bro, you're you're such a good story getter. Yeah. Like you love to ask people questions about their life and and so it makes sense. Like we know that people's stories are powerful, so let's yeah, I think it's a great idea. Send it. I think it was like agreement from from day one, like when when it became, oh, we're just gonna get some testimonies. Yeah. And uh, then we go to Florida. You were not there. Neither was Morgan. But we go to Florida for my favorite wedding I've ever been to. We went to Will and Joyce's wedding. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I show up and we're hanging out at Connor's house. And I distinctly remember Jonathan saying, yeah, man. Because I was like, I don't know. what Like, what should the podcast be called? And he's like, call it From Death to Life with Richard Young. And I was like, that's the name. That's the name of the podcast. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, yeah, from Death to Life with Richard Young. And so before that, I think I had started making, like, <laughs> I was going to do all this these money-making schemes since I, since I didn't have a, a full-time job anymore. And I started making T-shirts. And uh, I made the, the logo of Death to Life, but it said from Death to Life and with Richard Young. And I sent it to... Zach, posthumous. And uh, I gave him a bunch of options, and he was like, this is the best one. And it it became pretty obvious that it shouldn't be called From Death to Life with Richard Young. Like, maybe one or two episodes in, it was just then going to be called Death to Life. Uh, But what I think is so super cool and how God orchestrated so much of this, he didn't orchestrate all of it, just, no, how he orchestrated (laughs) all of it is uh, those first few episodes, and we didn't know what the flip we were doing, right? We're just, they're, uh, they're all at three in the morning, my time. Yeah. And at eight o'clock, your time. That's why if you go back to season one, you'll hear Richard. He's like, so Tyler, what happened next after, <laughs> after Morgan kicked you out of the house? <laughs> It's like uh, they're like, man, Richard, you're doing your like night, like slow jams night radio station voice, and it was because slow like, jams meets NPR, yeah, <laughs> because like John John would wake up in the middle of the night and he would just be there. I think in one episode he's just like crying there, and I'm like, oh, what's up, my baby? It's four in the morning. What what are you doing here? And uh, um, but think about it, like BB and Hui were out in Hawaii. Christian was out in Hawaii, um, and that's where the Richard, are you doing the podcast? Like that that drop is from your episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, I don't know if but Morgan laughing. I need to go back and listen to your first episode. Just the intro, because I think we got all the drops for that from just the first couple episodes. Uh, yours and then Morgan's testimony, which is Episode number two, and I've said it so much on here, it's my favorite episode. It's yeah, it's hands down my favorite episode. And then I did one, I think, with Jadra, and then Nicholas Mulanga, and then your guys is again. And then after that, it's all Hawaii people. Hui, Bibi, Christian. I had never spoken, like had a conversation with Hui before that episode that was released a couple weeks ago, like released again. Mm-hmm. That conversation with Hui is like our first conversation. Uh, I didn't know BB's story at all. And so it's like God was just like orchestrating all of this. And then the podcast, it it was just happening, man. And 
I would try to like Thursday and Friday, Saturday, I was off. So that's, those are the days that I tried to record the podcast. And then I would go back to work Sunday night, um, mm-hmm. and, and work through Wednesday night. Um, and, uh, that's what I was doing for, for a half a year. And so when we get to Lincoln, um, I realized like, I can't do this. Like, I just want, Oh, that's right. I, I just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Cause we met up in Lincoln in 2021. Yeah. Uh, kind of, kind of in the middle of COVID and, and we got together, we were just wanting to kick it. I think it started off, Morgan and I were going to be there for, I don't remember what. Dude, the pandemic did so much crazy stuff, man. Because the people there that showed up in Lincoln were all like people that had been vibing with us because we did all those Zooms, man. Mm-hmm. All those, all the, the Zoom meetings led to the podcast. And then... Uh, now we're all here in Lincoln and it was just a vibe. It was so wonderful to see everybody. And I went back to Kansas city and I told my pop, I said, I am going to quit Amazon this week. It was the week of the Super Bowl, So it was like one year in between all of this happening with me and my job. It's like, I'm going to quit my job this week. And for the rest of the year, I'm going to be looking for a job and when the school year is over, we're moving. But I don't want you to think I'm freeloading, like that I don't have a job right now because like, I can't live in my parents' basement without having a job. Like, I'm going to have a job. And he's, I wanted him to see that I was working towards something. So I just said, I'm going to be working on finding a job and then we're going to move. And it became like this very real thing and um go ahead i remember having like a conversation with you about this because there was there was some element of you knowing that you needed to quit at amazon and knowing that there was momentum picking up to do ministry but kind of like a fear of being perceived as a freeloader a fear of um your you know your family like there was almost like all these old expectations of like the man of the house works and the man of the house provides and stuff like that, that were like still in your mind kind of like keeping you. And I remember having a conversation where it was kind of like, yeah, you, you coming to that realization of just like, I, I have to be faithful to what I believe God's calling me to do. Bro, there was lies that came in heavy about that. And the one I remember the most is the night of the election. Like I had gotten into the stock market heavy because like I need to provide for my family and the stock market back in Mm. after, after the pandemic hit, like the stock market crashed crazy hard. So if you, if you wanted to get into the stock market, getting in right when the pandemic hit would have been awesome because stocks went so down that you could buy them super cheap. And then like, Stocks like Zoom were going crazy. They were going through the roof. All mm-hmm, of these, mm-hmm. pan, like, all of these technology stocks were were killing it. And so I had gotten in on that. And the night of the election, uh, if you don't remember this, halfway through the night, it's like Trump's going to win. And so, on the strength of that, because he's a Republican president, like stocks looked like super promising. 
Mm-hmm. And in the morning, because I'm working all night and I'm kind of watching this stuff and I'm like seeing what people are saying about the stock market. Then in the middle of the morning, around three in the morning, it's not looking like Trump's going to win. It looks like Biden's going to win. And it's like getting crazy. So I'm driving home and it's like, oh, Biden is going to win. And when the stock market opens up, like it looks like stuff's going and I sell a bunch of stock. And right when I sell it, this is how it works, people. Right when I sell it, it just takes off in the opposite direction. It starts going way up. And it turns out that the stock market did not care whether Trump won or Biden won. It was going to go up no matter what. And I was sitting there so angry because the, the goal is to buy low, sell high, not to sell low, buy high. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just mad. Yeah. And I'm like so much like I like I said something like super tense to Natalie and she's like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I, I don't know. And, and so I go down in the basement and I'm sitting there and I'm about to go to sleep and she's like, what is wrong? And I realize like I'm taking all of the worry, all of the pressure. I need to figure this out. I lost my job. I need to get us back. I need to figure this out some way. And mm-hmm. she was like, Richard, you're good. And I like, I needed to hear that so much. I got emotional. I was like, thank you. <laughs> thank you for telling me this. So like lies yeah, would, Lord. lies would come at me. Lies would come at me. Um, But the day I told my dad I was going to quit Amazon, uh, Jonathan calls me up. And he's like, why don't you, uh, why don't you work with LRT? It was like three hours later. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Uh, I was in the car. Did you hear me say like, what? <laughs> yeah, I was in the car when we called you because he wanted me to call you. And I was like, we called you, but I was like, nah, man, that's for you to tell him. So I told Jonathan to tell you because we had spent the morning talking about the future of love reality. We had met with Hui and I think Justin Goodwin yeah. and stuff. And and we had spent the weekend in Lincoln and that weekend was just incredible. Like, it, I don't remember why I was there, but I remember you came up just to kick it. I, I was only going to be on the mainland for a little while. I wanted to see you mm-hmm. and Natalie. I wanted to see Drew and Miley. And so you guys came up, but then word started getting around that we were getting together and we ended up with like 80 people. And we were just testifying. Jonathan was doing some teaching. We were sharing testimonies. And there was tears and praises and like an atheist that hated the fact that we were all so open and loved each other so much that now as a Christian to this, like today, he's a Christian and loves Jesus. And Dog, tell that story, bro. Like, tell that story about what, what he said in the back room. Bro, it was so that weekend, you're there in Lincoln. Yeah. And all this stuff's going on in the background with your job that you just shared with us that I didn't know to that extent, maybe at that moment, what was, what was weighing on you, but we're just vibing. And this girl had come from Colorado that we had only met through zoom through these Bible studies. And she came, but she didn't want to drive herself. So she had brought her ex-boyfriend who was still very close with her. And he was like an atheist. And so he's there vibing with us Uh throughout the day, but he's actually not vibing. Like he is there in person, but at the end of the day, I'm hanging out with this girl, Christina, and I'm like, yo, and I meet her her husband now. His name's Austin. They're going to be on at some point, surely, on this podcast. But anyways, I'm like, 
Hey, so how is this going for you, dude? Usually people that hang out with us like this, they either are loving it or hating it. Hmm. And I think he's going to be like, yeah, man, I, I think I really like it because that had been the vibe he'd been giving off. And he goes, oh, I'm absolutely miserable right now. <laughs> I, was, I laughed in his face. I was like, for real? He goes, yeah, I cannot stand this. You guys are all so nice to each other. You're all saying the same thing different ways. And I just, I hate it. I just want to go out in my car. I want to just curse like crazy. I want to get drunk. I want to smoke some cigarettes. And I just want a release from this, whatever it is. And then he even said, like, I just want to find dirt on you guys. <laughs> and Jonathan overheard him say, that. He goes, oh, you want to find some dirt? And we all just started, like, sharing like that all guy of the did dirt that. of our lives. That guy did yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and when he was like, there is no dirt. Like, we, we live in the light. Then um, this guy, he was just like, yeah, I want to leave. And we were just like, bro, we love you so much. Like, if you want to go ahead and cuss right now, that's cool with us. Like, do what you want to do. But we love you. We're glad you're here. So that was that was that weekend. And it was the first time I'd seen, like, the power of just the kingdom of heaven on earth to convict. Like, we weren't going hard at this dude. He was annoyed just because we were evidence of a God of love. Yeah, dude. And so we were all just, you know, we love getting together. It is the most beautiful thing in this world because the world is so full of lies and deception that when we are together and we love one another in truth, that it is like the only place to have retreat, to have true rest. I think that's why Jesus people says, think we're a cult, bro, because we just want to be around each other. Like, I, don't, I mean, <laughs> absolutely, that's got to be why. But I, I won't apologize for it because... Jesus says, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Why? Because in this world, you will have trials. So if there's a group of people that are seeing, like they're living free, they understand when there's so many things that are so misunderstood and they love me without themselves getting in the way and I love them without myself getting in the way, of course I'm going to love that. Who wouldn't love that? You know what I'm saying? So we were doing that that weekend. It was incredible. That dude, when he was like, these people are so whack, he was sitting next to Natalie. And they had like some small talk and he's like, finally, I found someone who's like normal. <laughs> and then Jonathan calls her out and she gets up and testifies. He's like, that's great. The only person I thought in here was normal. <laughs> and she's now testifying. That's right. I forgot, man. And it was just such a blessing. And, and I think our big takeaway coming out of that, because then we had meetings together on Monday or uh, Sunday afternoon or something Monday, because you were back home yeah. and it had just become so apparent to all of us, like, Rich needs to be doing this full time with us. Mm. Like we need to help him in whatever way, shape or form. So we started thinking about what are the things the ministry could use this, that, the other. And there was a slot and they were like, Tyler, you know, Richard the best. What do you think? And I was like, oh yeah, Richard. Da, 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 da. And I was saying things that I knew to be true about you and thinking about like, it would fit in this role. We were wrong about the role. <laughs> the role was not necessarily yeah. the right role for you, but it was obvious you needed to be part of the team. We called you up in the car and apparently it had been three hours and you shared with us, like, I just told my dad this morning that I'm going to quit my job. Yeah, man. It, and isn't that how God does it? He, Like when we let go. And I think that's like been my big takeaway from hearing you share just what God's been doing in the last couple of your couple of years of your life is like when we finally are just like, okay, I trust yeah. you. Like I say, yes. Like he, he's always there providing 
it's like we got to take our hands off the wheel of control and just trust. It it was when I went I went to Amazon that night and I was like, this is my last night. Mm. That was very strange for me to be in that morning, like I gotta go to work again, and then realizing, oh, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I walked around to each person that I had worked with, and I just was like, I just want to tell you that this is my last night working here, and you have been a huge blessing to me. Thank you for, you know, being a friend. And everyone would like stop and they're like, because at Amazon, there's like turnover like crazy. And so the people Mm -hmm. that are still there packing there, like they're there for like, there were people that they were there for three and a half, four years. And I got to know all these, these beautiful people that, you know, had some hard, hard stuff in their lives. And I was just telling them, I'm so thankful for you. You've been a blessing to me. You've been a blessing to me. Um, uh, my manager, she, when she had a miscarriage, I was the first person she called, you know, like we had gotten like that close, like with, with these people. And so I was going and I was, I was telling them. And then I went to my friend that had worked or had gone to school at the school across from me who I was able to speak to her. And I told her, you know, like, this is my last night and, and, and you've just been such a blessing to me. Um, and I love you. And she looked at me like, like a deer in the headlights, like a train was coming for her and she didn't say anything. And I was just like, okay, you know, love you. And I went home and she sent me this message and this is wild, man. Oh, you have it. You're going to be able to read it to us. Praise the Lord. She said, you honestly don't know how much of a blessing you were to talk to during that season of life. I'm a firm believer that God places people in our paths for reasons beyond our understanding good and bad to help us reset ourselves or to get back on track on things. You didn't know, but the first night I helped train you, I had been contemplating hurting myself because I was struggling hard to forgive myself for a past mistake. No more did you introduce yourself. God spoke to me and said, give me another chance. I read my Bible often and all, but I was ready to give up. And every night we were able to chat a little bit, I was able to see past myself and soften my heart back up to people I never felt uncomfortable where I generally was always nervous because I have been hurt so many times. I don't, I know I don't have to explain anything to you, but I want you to know how much you honestly saved me from a few bad choices and helped walk me through forgiving myself so I can truly live free. And when you told me it was your last night, I was beside myself. I was happy for you and praying honestly. And it's like, I just felt like when Paul is talking to the Philippians where he's like, you guys didn't need to do this. And this is like right in chapter four um, where he's saying like, he's been through all of this stuff, but he can do anything through God who strengthens him. Like he's been through all this pain and all this. And then after that, he's like, but thank you. Mm. And in my mind, I was just like, God, you didn't have to do this, but thank you. Mm -hmm. Like, when you work in schools, you can't expect that a student is ever going to come around and say, like, you were a huge impact on my life. Hopefully, like, 10, 15 years down the road or 20 years down the road, they'll say it. But you don't go in expecting it. So when they do, it's just a beautiful gift. And when she sent me that, 
and the guy in the warehouse or the in the dock was saying, it was just like God was like, hey, I live in you and I love you. And this encouragement is for you to keep going. Um, mm-hmm. I'm doing this stuff through you. Mm-hmm. And man, that, that kind of began, you know, I started working with LRT a couple of months later, Jonathan called me. And he's like, yeah, we're, we'll, we'll keep working. And, and that was when I told my wife, I was like, okay, we can move out of the basement. Where, where do you want to move? And that got the wheel rolling for our move to where we live now, where, where we live in Tennessee. Uh, we went out to Oregon. We, we, uh, we all got COVID in a little house. We're not, don't say anything, Tyler. <laughs> we all got COVID. I, I never got COVID. <laughs> uh, and while, uh, while I was, I, I stayed in Oregon for an extra two weeks cause I had COVID. Um, Natalie drove down to Tennessee and, and picked our house for us. And, uh, then I moved down here, man. And I know this has been a long podcast, but I mean, my, this has been the last two and a half years, man. It's been wild to see what God has been doing in my life, bro. You've always been someone who just loves to share. You got me into certain stand up comedians because you just wanted to share with me things that you thought were funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you got me onto the Allen Iver- I- Iverson crossover because you were like, you need to add this to your game. You shared every man's battle with me because at that point in your life, that had been the most helpful thing mm-hmm. with the most destructive addiction that both you and I had faced. Mm-hmm. And in cars, on road trips, you just wanted to share the best music that you liked you had a blog because you love to share your life with people mm-hmm. and your life didn't used to have life in it. Right. And now your life has the life of Jesus Christ in it. Mercy. And you share it and it's gotten you in trouble a little bit, but it's also, you've shared literally the life of Jesus Christ with people. And I just like, I've been moved to tears a couple times in this podcast when I hear the way people have responded to you and not even just you, but the way that they've responded to the way Christ is living through you because yeah, man, it's powerful. And so I'm just so you already know this, but I'm so grateful for you. You're one of my like best friends in this life. I'm so grateful for you. And, uh, I'm grateful that I got the chance to, to interview you for this part of your story, but, Bro, you haven't even touched on the stuff that God's been doing since you moved to Tennessee. And I mean, we we have stories for days, but it's literally just his faithfulness through you. And so I'm really grateful for that, bro. Man, it's God loves us so much, man. Like if you hear this story, I know I spent a lot of time on on me losing my job. Um, but the story is about God loving me through all Mm -hmm. of that. And like, I've just been, I'm just somebody who has been loved really, really well by God. And a thing that God has put in me, this isn't something I can even boast of or brag of is like, he has made me the way I am. And the way I am is I want to share. 
So this podcast is all about these people sharing these crazy stories. And I just want mm-hmm. the world to hear it. Mm-hmm. I just want the world to hear it, man. And so, like my brother sometimes asks me, he's like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, exactly what I'm doing. Like, I want to do this podcast. I want to do these Bible studies. Uh, you know, people sometimes ask me, like, well, what do you do? Like, if they're, like, they meet me at church or something, I have no idea how to answer them. Uh, I, so I'm like, I'm a stay-at-home dad that does Bible studies all week long, and I, I run a podcast. And it's like, how is that a, how is that a thing that somebody can do, right? It's just like... <laughs> I can't. I don't think I've ever thought about like, it like well, that. What do you even do, bro? And so, no, nah, man, I love it. I have an amazing mm-hmm. life. Uh, I've been blessed, blessed. And it's not like he has taken care of me financially. He's taken care of me emotionally. He's taken care of me physically. And it's not like we're all millionaires or even close to anything like that. But I mean, I, I'll tell people every day of my life, I don't care. Maybe I shouldn't, but my W-2 last year, 62 bucks. <laughs> that was your income, bro? Mine, yeah. Obviously, Morgan had a, had a job, but what do we do is we minister the gospel. Yeah. And if there's not a place that can pay us for it, doesn't mean that we can't do it. If it's Amazon, if it's in a church if it's at a grocery store, if it's on the beach, if it's, it doesn't matter. Nobody can stop me from loving people and sharing with them what God has done with me. And it's the same for you, bro. We're ministers of the gospel. It's crazy, man. And uh, no, man, doing this life, there's, there, I can't complain. And what we've been seeing with this podcast, like the people... Chico's story. I remember doing the interview with Chico. I'm in this barbershop in Washington and I'm hearing this story and my mind is being blown because everybody has heard this story before, except for me. Everyone on the team's like, you don't know Chico's story? I'm like, no. And I hear Chico's story. It blows me away. I meet Floor. Mm-hmm. I meet Floor. I walk into her house. Like we're in Denver for something for an LRT. I walk into her house and she's like, I listen to all, like I hear your voice all the time on the podcast. And I was like, oh, cool. Never met her before. 10 days later, we're recording her podcast um, and then her husband's podcast. And these stories, man, we've made mistakes. I, I don't know how I wouldn't have made them because I was so on fire. Like, I don't know how I could, like going back, I don't think I saw any other option, but but to go hard. And obviously, you know, some of it rubbed mm-hmm. people the wrong way. You know, a lot of the people that, when you were saying that we walked them through confession and they like some of those, it, it the, the, man, can I, the soil wasn't, can wasn't I say great something there, about but that. Yeah, man, go ahead. Yeah. Caitlin, Caitlin, it really was, it spoke to me, man. God loved on me through that podcast, Caitlin Sizemore. Cause she said we were the Sabbath school sharks. This is nice. Full circle. And she goes, but the thing was, is that I could tell that their hearts were in a good place. Like, we were intense, no doubt. Mm. But she could tell that our hearts were in the right place. And 
the mistakes that we made, the one thing that I'm confident we never made throughout all of this time has been we have never put ourselves over other people. Mm. Like we've, we've loved people. If we've made mistakes, it's because we didn't know how to steward that yeah. love. <laughs> but the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And Caitlin was an example of that to us yeah. of like, she was seeking the love of God. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage anybody who heard this. I know that there's people that listen to this podcast that are going through hard things and have gone through hard things and some of it for the exact sake of the gospel. Like it's directly related. And I just want you to know if you want to beat yourself up, you want to wonder if you're making mistakes. It's not about you. It's God is absolutely going to take what the enemy means for evil and he's going to turn it for good. And you are a good tree and good trees produce good fruit. Just keep loving. Keep going hard. That's it, bro. Got me singing like glory, yeah. It got me telling my story. Know that your love is pouring on me. That love is pouring on me. River flowing in and never ends. More than life, more than me, more than just pretend. And you can feel it, freedom from within. Free to fly, be the child that you've always been, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. We would love it if you could share this so that people could hear uh, more of these stories. And a way you can do that is to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a high rating. If, if you give us less than a five star, I'm inclined to believe that you're not really rocking with us. So give us a five star rating and, and throw a comment in there. If you're going to talk about us on social media, go ahead and use the hashtag death to life. And let's get that hashtag going. This podcast is a production of Love Reality. And if you want more information about Love Reality, go ahead and check us out at lovereality.org. This show's produced by Tyler Morrison and Katie Prusha. The sound and editing is done by Addison Collingsworth and Eddie Cornejo. And then the Johnny on the spot is Annabelle Harper. And the artwork is done by Felix Gassman. Thank you so much for listening. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Thank mm-hmm. you.